Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer. I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hey everybody, it's AG and welcome to Refried Beans, where we play an episode of the Daily Beans podcast from the same week, either one, two, or three years ago, so we can see how far we've come. So please enjoy this episode from Days Gone By and note the date in the intro. Refried beans. I like refried beans. That's why I want to try fried beans, because maybe they're just as good and we're, we're wasting time. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. Today, Mitch McConnell says he hates Trump for what he did last week and is pleased about impeachment. Liz Cheney says she will vote for impeachment. The Department of Justice and FBI gave a press briefing today. Law enforcement is monitoring several serious credible threats of attacks on the Capitol. Inside Trump's failure to respond to the insurrection, Parler's amateur coding could come back to bite seditionists. Extremists are turning uh, to encrypted channels. Lynn Wood is kicked off Carter Page's case. Mike Pompeo is uninvited to Europe as top diplomats refuse to meet with him. Trump speaks to the press, sadly, and multiple companies are shunning everyone connected to the outgoing president. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Holy majoli. I mean, A.G., what are we going to talk about today? There's nothing happening. You didn't mention anything at the top of the hour. So should we just like (laughs) chat? 
Yeah, so like, what's up? What's up, yo? <laughs> Oh my god. So, so much news today, uh, including this really weird press briefing by uh, Michael Sherwin, who's the acting attorney general in District of Columbia and FBI deputy director of the Washington field office. Okay. Uh, it get, was there, um, uh, you know, mysteriously absent as the actual attorney general and the director of the FBI. And I'm going to be talking later in the show with CNN legal analyst and former federal and state prosecutor Ellie Honig about that press conference and what was discussed. And then you and I'll be doing the good news. And then between now and then there's just no other news really so (laughs) i don't know i mean i guess we can try we can try to hit the hot notes i think there's a couple let's hit them hot notes All right. So the lead story today is the dominoes are falling. Mitch McConnell is said to be furious with Trump for inciting the insurrection. And a source says that he hates Trump for what he did. New York Times is reporting McConnell has told associates he believes Trump committed impeachable offenses and that he is pleased that Democrats are moving to impeach him, believing it will make it easier for him to purge Trump from the party. That's according to people familiar with his thinking. Uh, The House is voting today to formally charge Trump. Uh, with inciting violence against the country. And at the same time, Kevin McCarthy of California, the minority leader and one of Trump's most steadfast allies, has asked other Republicans whether he should call on Mr. Trump to resign in the aftermath of the riot at the Capitol. And that's according to three Republican officials briefed on the conversations. While Mr. McCarthy says he personally opposes impeachment, he and other party leaders have decided not to formally lobby Republicans to vote no. And an aide to Mr. McCarthy said he was open to a measure censuring Mr. Trump for his conduct. Uh, In private, Mr. McCarthy reached out to leading House Democrats to see if the chamber would be willing to pursue a censure vote. Uh, Nancy Pelosi didn't rule it out, but I hope she laughed at him. Taken together, the stances of Congress's top two Republicans, neither of whom has said publicly that Trump should resign or be impeached, reflected the politically fraught and fast-moving nature of the crisis that the party faces in the wake of last week's assault by pro-Trump mob, uh, which I would call an insurrection, during a session to formalize President-elect Joseph R. Biden Jr.'s electoral victory. Now, Liz Cheney, the number three Republican in the House, says she will vote for impeachment, and she put out a scathing statement. Scathing, scathing, that's exactly the word I used when I was describing it. And I hate this, and I dislike this woman deeply. Mm -hmm. This is Dick Cheney's daughter, Uh, though I don't know if she's shot anybody in the face recently. And who who doesn't throw their sister under the bus when they're trying to ban marriage equality? Anyway, keep going. (laughs) You know, just a thing, just a Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, She said the president summoned the mob, assembled the mob, lit the flame, and everything happened after is basically his fault. Um, if, now, there's other stuff going on, too. There are big threats to the Capitol that the FBI is responding to. There's reporting coming out that they warned of they were warned of a war ahead of January 6th. And in their press conference today, they said, we told everybody we were supposed to tell them. I don't know. Uh, and Ellie and I will talk about that in a bit, too. Uh, but there are threats to the Capitol. And, of course, Trump's comments today, taking no responsibility. Again, that's his jingle. and. His he said his speech was perfect, which is, again, something we heard in the about the Ukraine call and the call to Georgia Raffensperger. It's perfect call. It was great. Many, many have uh, reviewed it word for word. And it was fine, especially my last uh, the last sentence of the last paragraph. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> we watched you, bro. And then he 
incited some more violence. He said impeachment is dangerous. It will make people angry. You don't want to do this. It's dangerous. And he kind of repeated those uh, wink and nod, you know, hey, it's dangerous. People will be angry. And then he said running away. Stand by. And then, yeah. And then he said running, like while running away, I don't like violence. You know, and it just (laughs) sort of (laughs) ran away. Against Uh, me. Yeah, that's what you couldn't hear as he was running. I don't like violence against me. (laughs) Yeah. So he's sitting there like, look, it was a perfect speech. I didn't do anything wrong. But if you impeach me, people are going to be angry. It's going to be dangerous for you. It's going to be dangerous for Pelosi. It's going to be dangerous for Schumer. I don't like violence. Bye. And 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 then he got on his uh, where there was a helicopter. I don't know if it was Air Force One or Marine One, but you know he's out there yelling. I feel like Trump like having these conversations where he's like, I don't uh, like violence, but I'm going to encourage it. Is like Bristol Palin holding her third child, the second one out of wedlock, talking about like abstinence only policies. Like it just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And we all know everything he said is with a wink and a nod. Like when he tweeted, I will not be, for all who have asked, I will not be attending the inauguration of Joe Biden, which Twitter and several people took to mean it's an open target. I won't be there. Go for it. Right. And exactly. That, and it was that tweet that eventually uh, ultimately got him permanently suspended from Twitter. Not because he's a dick and he's not going to go to the thing. It's it was a it was a a veiled wink and a nod to his to his angry mob yep are you gonna be there bro no okay cool let's go guys all right and speaking of all of those assholes by now you may have heard this is a hilarious story if you ask me um not the actual part that we might be you know going into a violent civil war but the fact that this website was so poorly protected so there was a hacker. Yeah. And yeah, this is this is like our segment. We used to have a segment on Mueller, she wrote, called Republicans Can't Tech. Well, this and is definitely it. Yeah. <laughs> so the hacker says she scraped 99% of posts from Parler. And we know that that's like the Twitter wannabe site used by Trump supporters to help organize last Wednesday's violent insurrection on Capitol Hill. What you may not know yet is this abysmal coding and security that made the scraping possible. So just to sum it up for you, let me recap. The scraping was pulled off by a hacker who goes by the handle donk underscore NB. What, whatever. (laughs) She originally set out to archive content posted to Parler last Wednesday in hopes of preserving self-incriminating material before account holders came to their senses and deleted it, which they often do. Now, by Sunday, AG, Donk NB said she had collected roughly 80 terabytes (laughs) of posts, including more than 1 million videos many of which contain the GPS metadata identifying the exact locations of where the videos were shot. It might as well just been like, hi, I'm Jane Smith and I'm standing in Austin, Texas at the corner of, you know, it was just (laughs) one of those things where you're like, oh dear. So a key reason for how successful this was, Parler's site is a mess. I mean, it's public API used absolutely no authentication. Um, When users deleted their posts, the site failed to remove the content. And instead, only added a delete flag to it. So it's sort of like when you delete a picture, but it's already up in the cloud, but you don't delete it from the cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just so you know out there, that happens. Uh, oh, and each post carried a numerical ID that was incremented from the ID of most recently published ones. So the rookie code that this company used made it easy to automate the scraping. 
as this script used by Donk Enby's archival team demonstrates. So as a result, massive numbers of posts that discuss the insurrection before, during, and after it was carried out, they're all preserved indefinitely so that they're available to research journalists, prosecutors, mm. and others like the FBI and the Department of Justice. Now, another amateur mistake was Parler's failure to scrub geolocations from images and videos posted <laughs> online. They didn't get rid of them. So now we know where the pictures came from. Mm. So sites like Twitter and Google, they routinely remove such metadata um, from content posted by their users. The video files hosted by Parler, by contrast, were quote-unquote raw, meaning they still contained all of that information <laughs> that is unfucking believable mm-hmm. how what a failure it was to protect the and, and and anyone's information on there if it was this easy for an amateur hacker to get 80 terabytes mm. yeah and and donk Enby was rushing too because as we know midnight on sunday amazon cut off hosting and parlor was going down so you know she must have been like hair on fire trying to get all this information and found out because of their shitty code <laughs> she was like oh shit i just need to type two lines i can scrape the whole fucking thing and run away run away like Amazing. she has it all women Good rule the world her. i know i'm excited about that and this is interesting the trump brand you know premised on gold-plated luxury and super affluent clientele may not fully recover from the fallout of his supporters violently storming and vandalizing the u.s capitol this is according to hospitality analysis and some people close to the business uh the trump organization other companies linked with the trumps including deutsche bank the president's largest lender and signature bank another lender that he has the only two mm-hmm. that would touch him with a 10-foot fucking pole are dropping him. They're distancing themselves from him and his businesses. The backlash is part of a broader shunning of Trump and his allies in in the wake of the deadly assault on the Capitol. Schools have stripped the president of honorary degrees. Some prominent Republicans threatened to leave the party. The New York State Bar Association announced it had begun investigating Mr. Trump's personal attorney, Rudy. That could lead to his removal from the New York bar. Why has that not been done? I mean, Rudy hasn't paid his fees in how long? If I don't pay my membership to Costco, I can't even get a day pass to shop. And they're letting this guy into courtrooms across America. Yes. And sports people too. Bill Belichick, Patriots coach, has refused Trump's offer of the Medal of Freedom. Um, of course, the fallout began on Thursday when the e-commerce provider Shopify terminated online stores affiliated with the president. Uh, the biggest blow came Sunday, at least the biggest blow to Trump, when the, the PGA announced it would strip Mr. Trump's New Jersey golf club of, of a major tournament. Mr. Trump was said to be gutted by the PGA decision, that's according to a person close to the White House, as he worked personally for years to push the tournament executives to hold events at his courses. So he's just... I mean, you know, we saw early on in 2016, 2015, 2016, 2017, people, you know, residents of buildings with the Trump name on it, the letters coming off. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm sure you saw photos and videos of this, you know, the name Trump being pulled off. Absolutely. Of of shit and people, you know, not wanting to do business with him. But this is mega. He will never do business again. And all of his loans are coming due. He's fucked and i'm i'm here for it oh and you know what i'm loving it it's delicious all of it's delicious and more of his people are going down uh holding l lynn wood accountable for a toxic stew of mendacity prevarication and surprising incompetence is what they're saying in the aftermath of 2020 election a delaware judge ruled that the radical right lawyer forfeited the right to represent carter page 
in his courtroom. I mean, <laughs> I love the to- toxic, toxic stew of mendacity, prevarication and surprising incompetence. That's what the judge said. <laughs> it's I mean, that is amazing. I mean, nothing. Yeah, don't put that on your, uh, your, your, uh, what is it called? When you, your dating profile, Linwood, if you get on there. Well, I think, you know, I think he's probably been banned from from Tinder and Grinder as well. So, well, we'll see. Uh, and this is a quote What has been shown in court decisions of our sister states satisfies me that it would be inappropriate, inappropriate, and inadvisable to continue Mr. Wood's permission to practice before this court. Delaware Superior Court Judge Craig Karsnitz um, wrote in a passionate eight page order. And another quote, I acknowledge that I preside over a small part of the legal world in a small state. However, we take pride in our bar. It continues, a number of events have occurred since the filing of the rule to show cause, the judge noted. I've seen reports of tweets attributed to Mr. Wood. At least one tweet called for the arrest and execution of our vice president. Another alleged claim against the chief justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, which are too disgusting and outrageous to repeat. Following on top of these are the events of January 6th, 2021 in our nation's capital no doubt these tweets and many others inciting these riots now whether wood bore any responsibility for the bloodshed was outside of the realm of karsnitz court so he said i am not here to litigate if mr wood was ultimately the source of the incitement he wrote i make no finding with regard to this conduct and it does not form any part of the basis for my ruling i reaffirm my limited role i am revoking my order granting lynn wood esquire the privilege of representing page in this case period the fucking end sorry hat boy you're gonna have to find a new shitty lawyer (laughs) it's gonna be interesting to see now that this has happened they already were scraping the bottom of the barrel for lawyers you know i mean when when trump is like i've announced my uh legal team for impeachment you know before in his first impeachment he had seculo and cipollone and like uh, but now it's i was wearing my underwear dershowitz (laughs) it's rudy giuliani and captain underpants those are his two those are the two lawyers. And any of these fuck faces who try to get legal representation, you know, all these major law firms are stepping back. These big white shoe law firms are like, we're not representing any of you. Um, and, you know, when Cleta, was that her name? The female Cleta yeah. was on that call with Raffensperger and her law firm was like, mm, mm, we're breaking up. Uh, I mean, I tell you what, with a bipartisan impeachment, if this happens, he's going to, if he thinks this is about to happen, he's going to get, he's going to do a flurry. He's going to try so hard to get as many pardons as he can in. And if I was a lawyer, I wouldn't touch them. I wouldn't put my fingerprints anywhere near these. Mm-hmm. Although he did say, uh, apparently there was reporting at NBC today, that somebody advised Trump, uh, hey, buddy, hey, pal, you know, if you pardon yourself, uh, it's like an admission of guilt and you're going to open yourself up to a bunch of civil suits, people suing you, um, saying, hey, you know, I'm suing him for what happened to me at the Capitol, for example. Right. Uh, and he'll go, I didn't have anything to do with it. And they're like, ah, ah, ah you pardoned yourself. That ah. means that you're guilty. Now, we have some differing opinions on whether or not that is the case but whatever is true and we'll talk about that with ellie honig here in a minute whatever is true trump was so pissed he said fine no pardons for anyone meaning like you know if i can't pardon myself no one will get any pardons so we'll see what happens i'm expecting more pardons at least for his family right uh, and himself but we'll see we'll see what he does but he's pissed and uh 
deservedly so. And, you know, the Department of Justice and FBI, I told you about that joint presser today. Uh, and that's about the scope of the huge investigation into the insurrection that could take months and months to unravel. Uh, but I also spoke to, like I said, I spoke to CNN legal analyst, former prosecutor Ellie Honig about that press conference today. And that interview is coming up right after the break. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is former federal and state prosecutor and uh, CNN legal analyst Ellie Honig. Ellie, welcome back. How are you? Uh, great. Trying to process everything that happens uh, seemingly hour by hour. I guess let's let's sort of think we are one week away from the end of this presidency. But of course, it looks like the president has found a way to keep himself in the news for at least a few more weeks through an impeachment trial in the Senate. Yes, 100%. And you and I just finished watching this press briefing by the Department of Justice and FBI. And when I say that, I don't mean the Attorney General and the Director of the FBI. I mean Michael Sherwin, the uh, D.C. U.S. Attorney General, and uh, of course, the I, I can't remember his name, but he's the head of the Washington Field Office right. at the FBI, or Deputy Deputy Director of Washington Field Office. I'm not sure why the director wasn't available. I, th- I don't know. But <laughs> in any case, uh, very odd uh, press conference. And I wanted to get your top line thoughts on it, because as you said, while we only have eight days, seven days left, uh, they mentioned in this press conference that this is not days or weeks. It's going to be months and months of an investigation nationwide with the FBI and Department of Justice. So first of all, what a completely inexcusable, inexplicable omission well, maybe it is explicable, but but it, it, to not have the acting attorney general or the FBI director there, I mean, the people you saw are, are, are I'm sure, fine public servants. No knock on them. But I mean, this is a U.S. attorney. He's an acting U.S. attorney, one of 93 in the country. How do you not have the leadership out for this? I mean, if you look back at some of the things that the FBI leadership has made speeches on and made public appearances on, they're, they're a drop in the bucket compared to this. I mean, this is the most significant criminal event political event, whatever you want to call it, that's happened certainly during this presidency. And you don't have the leaders of the FBI and DOJ. There's only two possibilities. Either they decided not to show up for this, which is a complete uh, dereliction of duty, or they were somehow ordered or instructed not to show up for this, which is a dereliction of duty by whoever gave that order. It's it's absolutely inexplicable um, and, and I think unforgivable. In terms of the substance itself, I mean, no, no surprise you know, it's good to see that the line level prosecutors are working on this case and, and digging in. And and yes, of course, this will take months and months to, to identify everybody and bring the proper charges. And, and that's all good. One thing that they didn't confront or they weren't directly asked, they would have liked to have seen them asked is, are you also going to look at people who were not physically in the Capitol that day, but incited this crowd up to and including the president? I'd like to see what their straight answer is on that. I hope it's yes, but um, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, well, I, I do know that Sherwin has said that he is not looking at charging or investigating the president or Rudy or Jr. for inciting. Uh, although the U.S., uh, the D.C. Attorney General, Carl Racine, says he's going to be looking into it, which is weird because that's not normally in his purview. But he said, oh, we're going to expand my purview and I'm going to be looking into it. Yeah. Um, now, the, o- the only other maybe option three I can think of is for national security purposes. If Chris Ray and Jeffrey Rosen got up there, 
uh, they could be fired and then we would have no one at the helm of the FBI or the Department of Justice. I mean, not that Rosen is some sort of, right. you know, linchpin at the Department of Justice anyway, but maybe to preserve their jobs in order to have a continuity of government, at least until because now we know Pompeo has been disinvited to Europe and we just don't really have a functioning government. Not that we ever did, but it might make it worse. Maybe it's a national security consideration. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, obviously, if they were fired, someone would fill in. I, I'd be shocked if the president was so reckless as to fire them this time, although I've been shocked by his <laughs> recklessness before. But look, this is a situation, if you're the FBI director or, or, the, or the acting AG, this is too important. You just have to say, look, I have to, I'm doing it. And if, and if I do it and you fire me, so be it. I mean, you have to take a stand at some point. So I, if that's the explanation, um, I'm not impressed. Yeah, no, nor, nor, nor I, um, specifically though, this is all sinking in. Yeah. Um, and it it also struck. Uh, I think we just, I just saw Andy McCabe on CNN too, and he's like, "Yeah, well, where were they?" Yeah. Um, also, I think one of the important things here that they wanted to make clear that they did communicate, I think, effectively, was the misconception that a lot of these seditionists and insurrectionists were just being picked up on trespassing charges. Right. And I think they tried to clear that up a little bit by saying, "Hey, generally, what we do is we get them, we arrest them on something open and shut and simple." And then we bring all this stuff before the grand jury, and they are looking at sedition and conspiracy charges uh, additionally. Do, do you, you are a former federal prosecutor. That's kind of the way it rolls, right? Yeah, that is a common tactic. If you, if you have somebody who you know or suspect has committed very serious crimes, but it's going to be more complicated to prove that, and you want to get cuffs on them, then yeah, you bring the easiest provable charge. It serves as a placeholder, and then you will have a charge on this person. You can get them locked up, or you can get them under supervision um, while you continue to develop out the rest of the investigation. So that is a common tactic. I think it's a smart tactic here. And finally, just on the, this last piece on the DOJ before we get to talking about some other things that are happening with pardons and self-pardons and other things, uh, where where does the buck stop? Because that's the big question. Um, the FBI came out today and said, we communicated everything we had within 40 minutes. We told our JTTC the thing, we put it out, we, we contacted the, our normal channels of local and federal law enforcement. But are, aren't normal channels not the way to go with this kind of information? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it looks like we're starting to see a little bit of a, a game of hot potato where they're all pointing at each other saying, well, I told you, I, I told you, I told you. I mean, you know, there's not necessarily a straight line hierarchy when it comes to this kind of information sharing. But I mean, look. The FBI, well, I want to know what the Capitol Police knew and who told them and what they did with it. That's that's a big question. And I want to know where the FBI was, because, I mean, look, the FBI doesn't technically outrank some of these other entities. But, um, you know, look, it, it, this is the difficulty when it comes to intel in law enforcement. A, a lot of different agency, every, virtually every agency has its own sources of intel and they share them sometimes, but not always. But then it's a question of who's going to act. And here it doesn't look like anybody took appropriate action. Yeah, yeah, I'm very curious about the now resigned chief of Capitol Police right. and um, sergeants at arms in the House and Senate. And then, of course, we have the three installed douchebags over at the Pentagon who, uh, you know, Kash Patel, uh, maybe the linchpin among them. And, of course, uh, Christopher Miller, who just wasn't picking up the phone that night, I guess, or that day. And so it's just I I tend to think my, I'm, in my heart of hearts, I hope that that is, is where this bottleneck 
lies, that it lies with the White House and, and a coordinated effort. But that is all speculation. And none of that came out in the press conference today. And those are the questions we need answered. Yeah, look, there's the on the ground charges, obviously. I mean, what they did today was was sort of the red meat, the obvious stuff. All the people we saw on video need to be charged with everything from trespass to destruction of property up to, in some cases, murder. That's a completely uncontroversial. Everyone agrees with that. And so they offered that part up, which is sort of the stuff everyone can agree on and there's no real question about. What we got no clear, no clarity on is how did this attack, how was this attack allowed to happen in the first place? What was the intelligence process here? And are they looking at the more difficult potential targets. That Those are the bigger questions, and those were unaddressed. Yeah, and the other thing that sort of stood out to me as a, a wow moment was when Sherwin, uh, you know, uh, said... Um, Hey, uh, he was asked basically if these are domestic terrorists. Are you looking at domestic terrorism charges? And he says, we're bringing the full force of the FBI in on this, but I don't like labels. It was just very odd. It just seemed odd. Well, let me let me explain that, perhaps. Yes, there actually is no such thing as domestic terrorism charges under federal law. I've actually written pieces arguing that there should be and we need a domestic terrorism law for this, among other reasons. Domestic terrorism, it's a strange thing in the federal law. So being designated, formally designated as an international terror or a foreign terrorist organization has specific legal consequences. For example, it is a federal crime to render aid to a designated foreign terrorist organization. It's easier for the government to seize the assets of a foreign terrorist organization. Domestic terror is, is oddly, there, there's a weird quirk in the law where it's defined what domestic terrorism means but then that term is never used anywhere. So there is no such federal crime as domestic terrorism. There's actually no consequence to being designated a domestic terrorism, a domestic terrorist group, no legal consequence. And if you'll remember, there was this moment when Trump was doing some of his sort of uh, performative antics when the when there were protests this past summer and he declared Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization. Mm -hmm. And um, I and others said, well, that's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. So I do think it's an area where our law needs to be fixed. Yeah. And I wish they would have said that. Yeah. Uh, I wish they would have said, hey, then you, we don't have a federal criminal statute for domestic terrorism, or that's not a term of art in federal criminal right. code. And w that would be up to Congress to make right. that change. And there would need to be legislation and laws and statutes put in place to to have that happen. But no, it was just sort of a but like, hey, are you my boyfriend? I don't like labels. Okay. <laughs> it was just, it was very, yeah. mm, it just seemed a little hands off for me. But I mean, that's how they are. Yep. I get that. But I think we need to definitely drill down on some of these things so that we can know, so that the public can know whose responsibility it is to make these things, to give these things teeth. Um, I have a couple more questions about pardons and uh, civil lawsuits and Trump stuff. Uh, will you stick around? I have to take a break. Yeah, of course. All right, everybody, uh, we'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're talking to former federal and state prosecutor Ellie Honig, CNN legal analyst. Uh, I wanted to get into somebody, there was a reporter came on NBC reporting today that Trump, somebody told Trump, advised Trump against a self-pardon because uh, self-pardon will open you up to a bunch of civil suits, not criminal, but civil lawsuits, because by pardoning yourself, you're admitting wrongdoing, and that makes it easier for someone to sue you civilly. So if someone got hurt in the insurrection, 
insurrection, for example, they would have they you know and, and Trump pardoned himself for it. They would have they would have a a, a a beefier civil suit. Could you talk a little bit? I know we've talked about this before, but I want to talk about it again. Is a pardon an admission of guilt? Legally, no. That that that's that argument does not stand up legally. There, there's nothing in any law or the constitution that says giving or receiving a pardon implies guilt. Now everyone points to this 1915 U.S. Supreme Court decision. That's not what that Supreme Court decision says. It's dicta, which is lawyers speak for sort of a peripheral point. And what the Supreme Court says is true, which is the giving or accepting of a pardon often creates a common perception that something was done wrong, but it's not legally binding as such. And I'll give you a couple examples. First of all, What's the highest possible purpose of the pardon power? To pardon somebody who was wrongly accused, wrongly convicted. Okay, does the person who accepts a pardon in that circumstance have to admit guilt? No. Also, people get pardoned posthumously after they've died. Um, and that, of course, does not involve an admission of guilt. Now, look, as a practical matter, it looks bad to give someone a pardon. It looks bad to be pardoned. It looks bad to receive a pardon. But this idea that a pardon itself will be admissible in a civil case is simply incorrect. Hmm. Yeah. And apparently Trump went on to say, well, if I can't have a pardon, no one can have pardons. Yeah. And so now he's very angry. Well, if that's the end result, then then maybe we're better for that bad piece of legal <laughs> advice he was given. Um, but but um, no, th there was... I will say on record here, and you can play this back, if there's ever a civil suit and and the fact that a pardon was issued or received is admitted in evidence in front of the jury, I will eat a notebook. Okay. All right. <laughs> writing that down. I am putting the timestamp and the date. <laughs> a small one. A very small notebook. Uh, so another thing, too, is that uh, I think I saw Preet Bharara come on CNN last night and say that Trump can pardon the insurrectionists in a in a blanket pardon he says that yes. you don't have to name individuals or specific crimes and they don't have to be charged with anything and and he gave the example of the the people who uh, in Vietnam who dodged the draft or whatever they were all given a blanket sort of pardon without names or instances or any details like that can you talk a little bit about that and and do you think we we might see that happen and if that happens are these even challengeable? I mean, the pardon power is so broad, but but does it change when it's insurrection? No, um, there's no exception to the pardon power for insurrection. Yes, I, I believe the president can issue a blanket pardon of that nature. Um, it would be it would immediately shoot to the top of the list of worst pardons in our history, most corrupt pardons, uh, most lawless pardons. But I will say this. I, I wonder if. The fact that the president is facing a looming post-presidency impeachment trial in the Senate, which could result in his permanent disqualification from holding office, I wonder if a rational actor in that position would think, boy, I don't need to further inflame people by issuing this kind of pardon. Now, that's, that, that is a big qualification here, a rational actor. Um, but look, I, I think if he were to issue that kind of pardon, it would have to all but ensure that he gets convicted and that he gets disqualified permanently. But as a practical matter, no, there's really no way to stop that from happening other than, I mean, it's one more reason he needs to be removed from office, but that's not going to happen likely before January 20th. Um, and no, there, there's legally, the only way I could see would be if DOJ charged them anyway, and then argued in court, even though it was done with the Vietnam draft dodgers, even though it was done back after the Confederacy, 
um, to pardon Confederate soldiers. It's not proper. It's not constitutional, which would be an uphill climb in the courts. Mm. And what about individual state charges in the states where these individuals are from? Yeah, so it depends on, you know, the specifics of the state laws. I mean, look, it clearly would apply to federal charges. There's actually an interesting question, and I think Preet referred to this as well. So D.C., the all prosecutions in D.C. are handled by the by the Justice Department, but there's federal law which applies in D.C. as it does anywhere, and that's the thing. That's the kind of thing like sedition and destruction of federal property. Then there's local D.C. law, and there's some disagreement over whether that is pardonable or not. I actually think it might not be because what the Constitution says is offenses against the United States. I would argue. Those crimes, those local D.C. crimes are offenses against the District of Columbia, but not the United States. But we don't know the answer to that. Um, individual states, there there could be charges coming out of individual states if there was, say, plotting that happened in that state. And that could be as simple as a person who lives in, I'll say, New Jersey because I live here, in New Jersey, getting on his keyboard and you know typing out messages with other rioters in advance and saying, OK, I'll meet you at the corner of X and Y and we'll go – you know, will go cause trouble in the Capitol. So there could be state level charges, but I think if there is a a, a mass pardon or any pardons, I think state prosecutors need to uh, use the law in in the most aggressive and creative way possible to make sure that people get charged on the state level. Yeah, especially if there's a pardon. And then, you know, with the, the D.C. AG versus D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office and federal versus local D.C. code, uh, you know, we've been told those are all pardonable by the president. Um, and so it didn't really make sense to me that the D.C. attorney general was trying to bring charges uh, out, which is outside of his purview. But he says, I'm doing or, you know, I'm working on it. Uh, and so it, I think that that is just another argument for statehood for D.C. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. And, and you're right to note that the D.C. attorney general has very limited criminal jurisdiction. I mean, if you look at their website, which I did yesterday, you'll see it says it says we have very limited criminal jurisdiction, including the following five areas. And the first one's like traffic offenses. So, look, maybe they'll get creative. Maybe they'll find something, some sort of disturbing the peace. But it's not the ideal sort of, you know, key and lock fit. The, the better fit would be the United States Department of Justice, the, the U.S. attorneys. But again, that's subject to pardon. Yeah, unless they were fishing in the Potomac on that trip without a license, I don't think we're <laughs> right. going to be able to I'm going to confess right here because I think the statute of limitations has run. I have jaywalked in Washington, D.C. a lot. Oh, 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 yep, oh I'm, right. telling, I'm telling CNN. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for these clarifications. I really appreciate it. Can you tell everybody where to find you? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Twitter, Ellie Honig. I'm, I'm the only Ellie Honig. There's no one or two or 12. Um, let's see, CNN, if you go to my CNN cross-exam page, I'm around. People can find me. Yeah, you're findable. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, CNN Legal Analyst, former federal and state prosecutor, Ellie Honig. I appreciate your time today. Thanks, AG. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Good news, good news. I love this part. It is the best part, and we so need it. And thank you for to everyone for sending in your good news stories. If you have any that are personal or political, or you just want to send us photos of your kids or your pets or your grandkids, we we'll, we take it all. And uh, any confessions or any disputes in quarantine that you might need to settle in Amy's court, send them in. Go to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I got a little piece of good news before we get to our listener submitted good news. Elise Stefanik, you know, the chaunch at the impeachment hearings. Yeah. 
She was asked to step down as a member of the advisory committee for the Harvard Institute of Politics. And she said no. And Harvard just removed her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a chance. Okay, mm-hmm. bye bye. You want to step down? I know you want to step down. Okay, now bye-bye. I don't want to step down. All right. Well, bye uh, bye. All right. On to the bye bye. Which part didn't you understand? The bu or the, the bu or the bye? <laughs> bye bye. Good old Helen Hunt. All right. So first in from Kressel, pronouns she and her. Hi, I've been listening to your show for a few years already. MSW was my main source of American news when I was visiting my son in Israel in 2019. My good news is that I quit my job, took my mom out of assisted living and became her full time caretaker. She has dementia and has been kept being kept apart from my sister and me both that confused her and disturbed her. The change also allows me to spend more time on my writing, which is what I've always wanted to do. I was planning, waiting until her birthday to share this, but you said you really needed the good news, and today seemed like a fitting day. We reached another important milestone. She's gotten her first dose of the COVID vaccine. Oh, and, and here look at she how is. How beautiful her eyes are. Oh, lovely. That's a wow. Yeah, that blue is that's a stunning blue eye color there. That's beautiful. I'm so glad. I hope that she has many, many years left. Uh, mm. with her daughter. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. More good news is coming from Braun, pronouns she and her. Good news, beanie ladies. We have dirt, soil, wholesome, lovely dirt. In around October last year, I decided that for Christmas, I would give my parents a new garden. I live with them, so a bit of a present for me too. Anyway, we got to a week before Christmas, and because of the unstoppable but needed and constant rain, it wasn't going to be ready. I was slightly upset because, like, it was meant to be done so we could enjoy it during our staycation over Christmas. But compared to the rest of the world's issues, it was really nothing. Fast forward to the other day, and 10 cubic meters, or in U.S. speak, 2,270 gallons Oh my goodness, was delivered. And because I was trying to keep the local economy going, not because I'm out of shape, I paid some lovely men to move it all into place. Next week, the plants arrive, all native to Australia. I live in Australia, Sydney. Uh, it's going to encourage native birds and bees in our yard. I may have sent a hi- <laughs> I may have sent a high drunk message before Christmas about Dogo Chewbacca. Oh my God. He's very happy about the garden too, but a bit miffed. We don't trust him not to dig it all up. Love you ladies for the pod pet tax. I attached Chewbacca and some pics, um, some pics of our garden dirt. We send update once the plants are in. Chewbacca's adorable and look at eyeing the dirt like, uh, that's uh, for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dig that dirt now. Oh my God. The third picture. Look at these garden beds. Oh, wow. uh, this would be my, haven i want to plant veggies and fruits in there mm. and and so you know Braun, we don't we don't measure our dirt in gallons here you guys do it in cubic meters we actually measure it in yards and if you ask me how much a yard of dirt is no no <laughs> we had uh we had to have seven yards of dirt in order to level our backyard a couple years ago oh. do we think chewbacca has strawberry yogurt on his beard or something else in the last picture. Pepto-Bismol. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's the color it looks like, but it also looks like strawberry yogurt. What were you eating, Chewy? Oh, God, how cute. All right, I'm going to run the next two here because this one's pretty short. It's from Joy, pronouns she and her. My good news is just a picture of my two beautiful boxers. And then there they are. Can you can you make that shorter, Angie? If you can make that one shorter, that would be great. Uh, my good news is just a picture of my two boxers. Thanks. Appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. And look how beautiful. Aww. 
they're so good. They're oh, so I love cute. boxers. I love boxers. They're, they're such so good dogs, too. They're so smart. And they're the cutest damn puppies. My God. <laughs> yes. With their goofy feet. And they're like, derp, derp. <laughs> they're so great. And uh, next up from Marilyn, pronouns she and her. You put out a request for good news. So here it goes. In 2020, I did 9,515 push-ups on my knees. What? Good for you. Built up to a six-mile run. Walked the doggos for 170 hours and... While gaining strength and muscle, I dropped 11.5% of my body weight. Goodness. I tackled some challenging work and have a design going forward to market next year. Awesome. I collaborated with my uh, board game loving friends and family to figure out how to play code names, tiny towns in New York Zoo over video conference. Awesome. I was a, a source of information and support for friends anxious about the election. I was also an election judge, and it was the most energizing birthday I've ever had. This podcast, staffed and hosted by amazing people, was part of it. Example, while running, I was listening to the episode on Flynn's pardon, and the rage pushed me to a new high mileage. <laughs> so thanks for everyone uh, for helping us through this. Thank you for helping me take some control back. Thanks for the laughs and the reality checks. Daily Beans staff, hosts, and guests, you all added to our tanks, so help others fill theirs. Pet text, two dogs, one bed, Sanibel and Lady Sansa of House Bark. Oh my God, that's <laughs> hilarious. I love Game of Thrones references. I know, me too, me too. Oh, congratulations on all your milestones. I'm actually a little bit envious, trying to get back into shape. All right. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Otter alert. There's otter photos in this next You know one. what? Okay. I love otters and you... Oh my god. Okay, I can't yet. I can't. <laughs> this is from Scarecrow, pronouns he and him. Hello, Beans team. I'm a bit late with this update, but, well, last week was a bit distracting. <laughs> I messaged mm. a few weeks ago about my seasonal job as a nutcracker. I remember oh, yeah. that story. Mm -hmm. AG wondered if I was in San Diego, and although I would love to see the San Diego Wild Animal Park someday, I'm actually in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Much colder, a little park Kennywood is a beloved local institution. I would just like to, in I just like to interject here. So sorry that my Browns beat your Steelers last week but not i mean really. that was rough uh now in a continuation of my good news <laughs> our zoo rough. lights drive through i'm sorry that was hot that was super hot that was rough <laughs> our zoo lights drive through was a fantastic success over 29 nights we had about fifteen thousand cars Whoa. come through and i was there to wave to all but three of them my goodness my light staff blew apart while spinning it Oh, no, and launched the top ball down the exit ramp. I had to run after and three cars got past me. Okay, just the visual of this nutcracker having to run down the ramp. I'm sure the cars were like, what the hell's going on? Um, the money raise was a lifesaver for our poor little zoo as they were under a second COVID shutdown from the beginning of December. Waving at cars wasn't as fun as being in the park with the guests, but it was fulfilling and felt great to see how happy the visitors were. <laughs> I just got another visual of the nutcracker, yeah, running, nutcracker running down the embankment after his shiny ball. I tried to keep it together. I'm grateful to be given the chance to participate in the income. Uh, the income was a much needed boost. One of my photos shows the new addition to my nutcracker hat <laughs> that was a good wheezy whistling one <laughs> I have the giggles now okay the little school the little school has been there since 2013 and denotes my role as a haunt act actor for phantom frights nights and halloween the new one is a woodpecker <laughs> car from a fragrant uh, fragment of wood from Kennywood's Jackrabbit roller coaster. I feel oh. like I'm on acid right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
which turned 100 in 2020. They replace wood all the time. I got this piece out of the trash just so it doesn't scare the shit out of the people on this ride, I'm assuming. (laughs) Right, like, he's just up there with a chainsaw. (laughs) They won't miss it. It honors Kennywood, the jackrabbit, and the zoo, and is is a very inside joke. One night at Zoo Lights, as a car went past, a little boy called out to me, Bye, woodpecker! His mother said, That's a nutcracker, not a woodpecker. She glanced at me and, quite, and said quietly, Nutcrackers have... Jesus. <laughs> nutcrackers have woodpeckers. I had to immortalize that moment. Thank you, anonymous lady. No chi- no chicken picks today. Instead, I have three of my co-workers. The window in our dressing room looked directly into the polar bear enclosure. Oh, my God. I would just stay in the dressing room the whole time. Mm. The bears are denning right now, so this was the only time I saw the one. The sea otters, which are my favorite things in the world, AG, mm. and sea mm-hmm. lions were in the same building, and I had to go through the water tunnel to reach the restroom. It, quite often, the sweet little sea lion with the heart nose would swim down to visit. Aww. Thank you for keeping us un, in, um, thank you for keeping us informed. <laughs> Thanks for keeping us uninformed, making <laughs> us laugh and helping us get through the days. The Nutcracker and Gingerbread Baker wish you an awesome 2021. Look at this fucking otter. The first thing. The hands. If you don't know oh. this, the reason I love otters so much and you don't know this because I've never shared it with you is that otters hold hands at night when they sleep yes, so they I don't know. drift apart heart in the water that's a metaphor for something i know and the polar bears i think are magnificent look at that oh the woodpecker on the hat is is beautiful and then oh hey there polar bear hey girl hey and then and then look at the hard-nosed sea lion oh oh oh, my gosh my goodness i would be in heaven this is cuteness overload. Okay. Now look, now imagine him running down the exit ramp. <laughs> Picture of Okay. Oh man, good times. Oh, I can't wait for for y'all patrons to see this. If you're not a patron, uh, uh, hey, you know what? You, it's 3 you bucks a month. Be. You get the ad-free episodes. The Mary Trump book club is on there, which we never released to the public. And you get to see these photos. Um, do it. Check it out. Patreon.com slash, I don't know, Muller She Wrote Works. Uh, that's okay. <clears throat> that's going to be a visual in my head for a while. That's good times. Next up from KL, pronouns she and her. Hey, Beans team. I wrote in September about my last semester for my degree and also in November. This was an unbelievably difficult time academically for me. Getting a steady supply of my ADHD medication was a task and a half because it's restricted and I have to see a doctor monthly to get it and then have it ordered. The double whammy of COVID frequently canceling my appointments and the mail delay has me rationing meds or just simply going without. In addition, I've had migraines since I was in high school, and in September, all treatments, pain relievers, and preventive meds stopped working. To keep it short, it got really bad. With support from my family, friends, and doctors, and three out of four pretty great professors, I pulled it off. I passed all my classes and officially graduated. Commencement isn't until May 2021, and because I skipped a ceremony for my associates, I promised some loved ones who are no longer here physically that I would participate in the next. I reserve the right to be a punk about it, though. <laughs> Attached is Box Cat Liv, making me take a break to give her attention. The big baby. She's also the November Vote Biden-Harris cat, just so you know. Oh, my goodness. My, and KL, listen, if you're listening to this, and I'll say this, if your migraines are still really, really bad and you have not tried this, and it may sound crazy, and I know some people will go, no, it works. 
if you're open to it, Botox, and I'm not mm -hmm. making a medical recommendation, but Botox can do wonders for migraines if you have mm -hmm. not been able to find something to fix it yet. So just consider it. Maybe talk to your doctor about it. Acid works too. There you go. Acid and Botox. Um, <laughs> harder to find. <laughs> Harder to find the Botox. No, I'm kidding. True. Um, Harder, yeah. But yeah, definitely not making medical recommendations on this pod caveat, but I, yep. I've had some friends with migraines who who just absolutely, and, and some folks who also grind their teeth at night, Botox. Yep. I get shots. I can say that personally, I clench. I don't grind, but I've cracked several teeth because of it, and mm. I get shots just in my jaw. And uh, what it does is it creates a situation where your masseter muscle just, it physically cannot bite down that hard anymore. And it saves a lot of money in dental work. So like we said, not medical recommendations, just experiential suggestions. Now, this next one comes from Libby, no pronouns given. My best friend's guy who made it through treatment for bladder cancer a while back and... Uh, was my good news. Just got the one year all clear. He's back to trout fishing and not finishing projects around the house. So all is right there in their world. Uh, mm -hmm. Saying I love the show and your humor helps me get through the day is a total understatement. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pet taxes, photos included a doe eating the you just outside my window. Cat thinking in a tree also pictured with the dog archie in what i call the sweet caroline pose reaching out etc and my mom's <laughs> horse free range grazing in the yard that doe is absolutely beautiful now ag if you don't know what a doe is it's a deer it's a female deer <laughs> thank you thank you're you welcome. you're welcome <laughs> and if you don't know what a you is it's a tree okay. <laughs> 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 mm. oh, oh look yeah reaching out that's the sweet caroline pose oh sweet caroline. i would call it the sistine chapel um, oh totally that's so funny <laughs> they just need to have their paws touching mm -hmm. oh my goodness that horse horses are beautiful mm -hmm. they're just majestic and powerful and gorgeous thank you so dun, dun, much dun, for dun, the dun. submission and these absolutely beautiful animals i think the otter photo oh and or is it the i it, i don't want to i don't want to pick a winner of photos that's just not fair because they're all so amazing but also the the nutcracker with the gin, miss gingerbread and oh my, just the, oh my the, goodness these are also wonderful but this horse is gorgeous and i do love the sistine chapel sweet caroline pose and doe a deer female deer her eyebrows that doe's eyebrows are on fleek check it out totally that's an on fleek doe they look better than mine right now i haven't had them done since the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> awesome well <laughs> my eyebrows remember like said they're like hey bert like bert and ernie like hey bert <laughs> my, my, my sister one time tried to tell me that a guy that uh she knew how to unibrow, but the way she said it was like, yeah, he's, I was like, you should ask him out on a date. And he, and she's like, eh, yeah, but he's not that smart. And he only has one eyebrow. And my immediate question was what happened to his other eyebrow? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny how our brains do that sometimes? That's fantastic. I just think of the dumbest stuff sometimes. And then I'm like, oh, wait, rewind. I got it. I get it. Unibrow. Too funny. Uh, anyway, if you have any more stories, pictures, anything, please, we we need them so much. This has been so helpful um, to so many people. Send them in, dailybeanspod.com, click contact. Any final thoughts, Dana, before we get out? Not today. Let's keep it moving. Keep it moving. We're going to watch these Republicans fall like dominoes. We're going to vote for impeachment tomorrow. He could be convicted and removed and banned from running for office again in the Senate. Mitch McConnell hates him. So we'll see.
I have not had a drink except, like I said, the glass of champagne since December 27th. If he gets impeached and convicted and removed before the inauguration, all bets are off. I'm going to be hammered on January 20th. (laughs) Girl, it's my birthday. So. Oh, we'll toast. We'll toast to you for sure. Yeah. And I think we're going to be having a little after the inauguration, a little Zoom call. So, you know, if you feel like joining joining us with with patrons uh, and cocktails for my birthday and the inauguration. It'll be my pleasure. It'll be my pleasure. We would love to have you. All right. That's it. Until tomorrow, everyone, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. Refried beans. I like refried beans. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.